Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the October 21 edition of Ask a Leader. In the air are two distinctive sounds. One is the rustle of voters sorting out the obscure offices or pondering the complex propositions. The other sound is the soft groan of frazzled murmurs of high school seniors finishing their personal statements and pressing the submit button to send their applications to the colleges around the land. Toward those very utterances, we direct our guests today with UCI student Parshan Kosravi, organizing voters' registration and turnout campaigns, as well as UCI administrators Brent Unick and Patricia Morales, who is going to talk about admissions and financial aid. We'll take that up. Don't go away. Thank you for staying with us, everybody. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My first guest today is, was going to be City Council candidate member Jeff Lalloway running for re-election on November 4th after completing his first term on the council. However, due to illness, he had to cancel his appearance on the show. I mention this as it was my intent and my plan to have you hear from all of the Irvine City Council candidates. But I could say that filling in at last minute is the very Parshan Kozravi Karmani, but actually I've been trying to secure his appearance for a couple of weeks. Parshan Kozravi is a third-year political science major and the organizing director at the Associate Student Body of University of California Irvine Office of Executive Vice President. As one of the primary campaign planners for the 60 by 16 initiative, Parshan and his team work on setting the foundation for an increased and more involved registered student, student voters for the 2016 presidential election. Some of the main focus of to eliminate the traditional challenges on the way of students to be registered, as well as opportunities for students to be more engaged, and eaters, that's you, and more educated, that's all of us, on the local and statewide and national issues. He's putting the time and the effort with a multitude of other organizations, including International Student Caucus Chair, Electoral Action Trainer, both with the U.S. Student Association, Academic Development Associate with Student Planning Services, and at-large member Student Board, the Anteater Express Initiative Funding Board, and the SOAR, that's the uppercase SOAR, Retention Advisory Committee, and a peer educator in the REACH program. It's a pleasure to have this enterprising student be my guest today. He joins me in studio. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Parshan. Good morning, Claudia. It's good to be here. We are so glad you are here to lead the way with the last laps of this, we'll call this the dress rehearsal, where students need to step up, though, and be a part of this. So b before we go into the, the whole political process, tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, I'll ask you more about that political bug that you have. Definitely. Um, so a little bit about my background. I came from Iran um, when I was 14, um, and um, currently I'm actually in the in, um, United States as a, a non-citizen yet, as a permanent resident, so I'm actually not myself able to register to vote, and th that is something that has been very directly impacting my passion for um, wanting to uh, do this work and put in this work because I, I actually really do believe in the power of voting and the power of uh, having our voices heard. Um, um, I do come from uh, Iranian descent, as I mentioned, and um, I uh, have been here for about 
uh, full five years now and completing my five years actually. So I am uh, looking very forward to uh, what is left for the rest of my um, years here and for the past five years, it's been absolutely amazing experience. Now for the benefit of what we'll talk about, the admissions policies and all uh, uh, in the latter half of this show, where did you apply to college from? Definitely. Um, I uh, came straight from um, high school. I applied to... From, where was from, your high school? Uh, from Mission Viejo High School. Okay, in Orange yeah. County. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So you're a California resident when you applied here. Yes. Okay, yes. go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so um, the funny story about I mean, I wasn't technically supposed to come to UC because I came during my sophomore year from Iran. So um, my counselors and even sometimes my family and everyone else uh, didn't really expect me to be able to finish four years worth of high school education in three years and um it was rather somehow um i guess my own um kind of strictness on i wanted to be going to uc so i really did everything against what i was advised and i ended up uh getting into uci and uc san diego and i chose uc Irvine over uc san diego because uc Irvine is more awesome in my mind well but, there you go brent <laughs> brent eunuch and Patricia Morales listened to that. So um, where did you get your political bug? And I'm thinking while we listen to you, for those of the older generations, they can remember Lee Atwater is right where Parshan is now. And I'm thinking maybe to balance that off with uh, David Axelrod, they were doing then what you're doing now. So where did, but where did this political bug begin? Um, I can't, you know, it's, it's a somehow a mixture of different things. I can only say about, you know, um, growing up in Iran, a country where um, there isn't really what we see here. It, it isn't so much of um, expression of freedom of choice and freedom of decision. It's more like, you know, I have a set determined life for me and I have to follow that. And being able to break through that life and coming here and seeing the opportunities that we have to actually be able to raise awareness, you know, uh, to actually be able to make a difference in what we want to see in our future, that's something that was very brand to me when I came here. So um, I guess during high school, I didn't really ever have the opportunity to be able to express myself because it was never about, um, I was never given the chance to, but when I came to college, I the first day I remember even before I ca- stepped on campus, I looked for the associate students and I was like, I wanna get involved in this because I wanna be able to see what it's all about when, when we talk about things like freedom of choice, things like active uh and like, you know, um actions and you know, events and different things such as getting involved in politics. What is politics? Um these are things that I wanted to explore and um slowly then I started to realize that, you know, the more I'm working on this, the more passionate I'm becoming. And then there was both. And then there was um, the 2012 presidential elections. And then there was water registration. There were things that, these things were new to me because we didn't have such things back, uh, I didn't experience this back in Iran. So I started to slowly get devoted in it. And so I got to a point that now I am helping with uh, other students to actually educate students about why it is that I find it so fascinating. I hope everyone is hearing this, that that sharp definition between the lack of a democratic process and the uh, the working democratic process amidst you in your own short lifetime, f- focusing you, uh, the essential qualities of the need to participate. And so I'm 
so impressed. I'm so, and it's so clear when I have my Ask a Voter shows every, since Tuesdays land on election days, I get to do elections on my show every single year. And it's uh, those repatriated uh, voters are the ones that are so focused on participating in the process. So uh, we're going to get back to the demographic here uh, as a wrap up here. So um, I, so I uh, tell us uh, what is going on? What uh, we need to know about the 60 by 16 campaign, and uh, let's include what you're doing all along the way, because there's a uh, we. I don't know what the number is by 14 right now, but we can go from the uh, get backtrack from uh, to the 14 from the 60 by 16. Definitely. So, um, like you mentioned, uh, like you mentioned in my in my uh, previously, um, with 60 by 16 initiative is um, actually an initiative that was brought up by Office of the President, by Reza Zamorodian, our student body president, um, when he was running for election. Is and Reza also a first, um, is he first generation Iranian too? I am not aware of that, but he is of Iranian descent. Something's happening here, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, where, where there's the motivation and, yeah. the, and the focusing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Reza's an amazing guy, and he, he came up with this idea. He said, we want, I really want to work on making sure more students are involved in the political process. And so... Um, we started, and I told, we started during the summer, uh, eventually starting immediately planning on what it is that we see. And we noticed the reason it's uh, called by, by 2016 is, again, we saw that there are fundamental changes that we need to make sure to happen for um, a more involved community. Um, planning for having, like, these um, traditional boundaries where uh, would, they would stop us and, like, really stopping stones that, would be in our way for um, being involved in getting students registered to vote. These weren't things that we could battle uh, in six months or in even a year. These are things that we need to slowly stop. It's a long game. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long game. game. So uh, we start to implement some of these. Uh, we start to work on having uh, a better, you know, online um, registration tactic. For instance, we uh, partnered with uh, TurboVote, the uh, partner organization that we're working with, to be able to register people online, which we were able to gather a good about 200 students registered to vote for this um, uh, midterm elections, um, which was pretty good number for uh, for the first uh, time using the website so while you were getting them to register what was your measure of their following through and voting um you know there's there's always the um there's two aspects of voter registration there's the aspect of actually being registered and then there's aspect aspect of being aware and so those are the two challenges that i found i found a lot of folks who were interested in being registered they wanted to have that political act, uh, activity and like political say into things but they weren't really aware what's going on they weren't aware about what is going on in the city of Irvine if they're voting there they weren't aware of what is going on in um, California measures in propositions and what are all these about so uh, I guess as part of um, student government we have the privilege of having access to these data we have the privilege of having access to um organizations such as uh, United States Student Association and University of California Student Association that actually help us uh, with a lot of different uh, things such as providing us with a guide of what it means, uh, what are different propositions and what they are, or other things such as having the ability of uh, bringing all of the candidates running for Airborne State Council and Airborne Mayoral Race, which, which are things that, again, these are organizational resources that we have as a student government, and uh, we want to make sure that we use these organizational resources to to engage students as much as possible. 
So I, I allowed you, oh, for those who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming on the web around the world and student uh, centers is KUCI.org. And my guest is Parshan Kozravi. He is the organizing director at the Associated Student Body of UCI, Office of the Executive Vice President, working on various registration campaigns as well as the specific 60 by 14. 60 by 16, I meant. Is it because I want, I want that 60 by 14? I'm not yeah. waiting. I'm not you waiting know, at all. Be, it should be 100% by 14. I know. We're, all, we're lowballing <laughs> this. And so, that's, uh, that's, folks, that's how the, the straights are. So, uh, last Thursday, you presented, it was quite an amazing forum. There, to your uh, tribute to your ability to recruit almost everyone, I think you had one exception. Jeff Lalloway was not well, and he's not well still. Well, he's barely well enough that uh, not able to be on today. So uh, you were able to get them. Now, the other side of the coin was, where were those students? It's, you can see that it's, it's uphill to get turnouts and get people committed, but uh, it was a wonderful uh, forum that you gave a lot of people a chance to see the candidates side by side, which is exceptionally rare. And so Tell us a bit about your putting that together. Maybe a little behind the scenes stuff. This is just just between you and me. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Um, so I guess um, with the turnout, I was at first I was very kind of disappointed. I was very um, sad to see not not a good turnout. But then again, it was just an immediate reaction because eventually, like the second secondary reaction, more kind of um, a very reaction came out as we are all students and we are all um, very busy in our schedules and. This is, you know, as much as we can do, um, there is just so much that we can ask of students. And we realized that I, I knew about that when I invited folks. And I knew that it's not, students not showing up is not a uh, measure of necessarily them not being interested. It's just a matter of I have so much things Some priorities. on my plate. Yeah. So and Mark Deppie was uh, making sure that all of this is filmed. So for anybody who missed it, how do they get to see that what, was it an hour and no, twenty minute forum or yeah, less than about that? Ninety minutes. Forum, ninety minutes. Yeah, okay, yeah. so where do they get to see the, what was filmed? We have actually videotaped. Um, I think the whole thing there might be segments of it that wasn't videotaped because the videotaped segments are thirty minute long. So, um, but for the most part, we have everything videotaped, and we're going to be uploading it into YouTube and putting it on our website as well. In, and that website is it's www.asuci.uci.edu. And that's our student, uh, ASUCI webpage, student government. And uh, it should be going up sometime this week. And uh, we, we will have it available for everyone to see the heated argument, rather um, very uh, exciting and interesting uh, arguments uh, about what are the major issues that are going on in the Everyone State Council and Everyone Mayor race. Now, I know prior, about a week prior to that forum, was a chamber, a local chamber of commerce. Uh, forum and I understood that the candidates all were given the uh, the questions in advance. How did you handle that? Did they did everybody know what you were going to ask them, or did you uh, spring it on them? They actually had no idea what we were going to ask them. Bravo. We we kind of told them that we are gonna. The goal was if uh, there were enough students that, that we're going to show, which quite a good good amount of students showed up. But the goal was that we were going to have students putting the questions they wanted to be asked. And we were going to uh, find what are the m uh, most, like, uh, I guess, uh, popular questions and then ask them in the span of time that we have. And uh, we, we also came up with some backup questions 
ourselves just in case uh, there weren't enough questions that were going to be put. And uh, we actually ended up having enough questions, so we started asking those questions. The live, they were live questions then. Yes, they oh, were live questions. And and thankfully, um, I mean, we, we kind of knew some of the themes that were the major themes, and so such as the expansion of Irvine, whether or not we expanded, whether, uh, you know, uh, those topics. So we kind of knew that those were the questions that were going to be eventually asked. Um, and I, I, I'm sure some of the candidates might have probably guessed that was going to be asked at some point. But we also did have some interesting questions, such as, you know, um, what happens about everyone and everyone transportation system, questions like that, which was pretty interesting to see the uh, the candidates' responses. And we had a question about diversity, and that was that's a question that I think it's less often gets asked in the real political life, and I, I was very happy to see that question was asked. Well, it gives everybody a chance to answer in a very uh, in particular ways, and that gives you a, a, a very good gauge. I don't use litmus test because litmus is on or off, but gauge is, is a, a, around the whole mm-hmm. spectrum of possibilities. So you were able to have people address how much they fully appreciate uh, what's going on or and acknowledge uh, that, that aspect of, of Irvine. So... Um, now, I, I want to know, are there any other forums that you're either responsible for before November 4th or if other people are responsible for? Um, so that this is your chance to mention that, and we'll also ask about some other resources besides the, um, well, the turbo votes to check back in later. So tell us what, what else we have to look forward to be up leading up to November 4th election. Sure. So um, I can tell you that we are planning on having a... Uh, a, at least an educational forum about what are the ballot initiatives. Um, however, um, most of what we're planning for, um, that's Office of the President that as of right now is going to take over on these uh, on this initiative for now because uh, Office of the Executive Vice President is going to be focusing on a lot of number of different campaigns uh, for the coming year as well. So, um, But as soon, uh, as soon as the November 14 also ends, we have a number of goals that we have for that's going to straight lead up to the 2016 presidential elections as well. And we have a number of goals on, uh, on bringing uh, speakers and uh, hosting forums on major issues, major national issues leading after, after, after the uh, okay. midterm elections. And these are things that we're going to build up amongst the uh, while the primary elections are going to happen and leading up to the 2016 elections to have these discussions about major issues and analyze different uh, candidates who will then in 2015 will be running for the primaries on uh, what are their stands and how analyze these things and basically educate students. And... Parshan, I'm so glad that you are talking about front-loading that kind of material because of the the urgency of people knowing by the primary they don't have the luxury of waiting for all parties represented on the general election ballot. If there is the the top two vote getters that are that advance after the primary in our new open primary situation that p- most people still are caught off guard by. They're, they're really going to be caught off guard when they look and they see one party representing the two possibilities in many state and congressional elections. Uh, you're going to give everybody a chance to consider all of these candidates well before the primary so there's no no secret. So I, I want to make sure from when I had Orange County Registrar of Voters on about a month ago or less. Uh, he wanted to make sure that we all know about the um, the SoCalVotes.com is a place to confirm everybody's registration. So just run down uh, any other resources students need to know, students and their staff and their faculty. Um, sure. So um, 
it's the the uh, registration is actually over. The date of registration. That was is yesterday. Over. All that was yesterday. You didn't do it. You gotta wait till next time. Yep. And um, well, I guess um, some very fortunate news and happy news that we have is that as of next year, due, uh, due to the one of the um bills that uh, Governor Brown has actually signed, we're not gonna have a day of registration, which is gonna allow so much um more engagement for um folks around. And um, so that's something that we're looking forward to. But for this election, I would definitely say we have available guides at ASCA.ucc.edu on uh, what the Uni- uh, University of California Student Association has put up on different propositions. And um, oh, you the, have okay. Yes. Yeah, so and I actually have it with me right here. Um, it's it's basically a UCV vote. Um, kind of pamphlet that talks about what are these different propositions and two of which the University of California has actually endorsed, uh, University of California Student Association has actually endorsed. You can go which, ahead. Uh, which are Proposition uh, proposition 2 and Proposition 47. Um, and uh, again, so this is a good guide to see what from a uh, representative student's point of view, what we uh, think about different propositions. And it's, it's more of a a nonpartisan kind of uh, information guide, um, and and it's good. It's good way of actually kind of figuring out what are these different propositions because a lot of times we get all these numbers: yes on two, no on two, yes on forty-seven, no on forty-seven. We don't really know what it is. So, um, I often find these types of guides very helpful. Well, to wrap up here, I know. I guess I call it the ten-pound gorilla in the middle of the student center. Is I'm I'm not wowed. Students are not telling me. When I asked them just randomly on the sidewalk, I've just sort of decided it's part theater and mostly politics. And they're not they're not interested in voting. So what, is there a get-out-the-vote effort that you're doing right uh, up in these last laps? Um, we are. We are planning... And that's on, our wrap. We yeah. are planning on doing a number of um, things. We are hoping um, that um, with partnership with the um, Student Affairs Office, we're hopefully going to be able to go to dorms and have some efforts near the dorms and be able to register students okay. at their dorms. And but the get out the vote itself, and uh, or uh, for the get out the vote itself as well, uh, also continuing that efforts over there, and uh, also doing. Uh, the rush hours where we have uh, students coming around. We're going to have tables around on campus over the next uh, coming weeks. Excellent. And we're going to be able to uh, inform students about the uh, elections. Well, Parshan Khosravi, uh, I'm so glad that you were able to come with a very last minute notice. I want to thank you for coming on the show today, coming in studio with me. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And that was Parshan Khosravi organizing registration and turnout campaigns as the UCI student with the Associate Student Body Office of Executive President. Thanks so much for being on. Well, we are going to be back with Brent Eunuch and Patricia Morales, and they're going to talk about the uh, some of the finer points, uh, some uh, some delicate topics around the financial aid and mostly about admissions. We'll be right back after this station break.
thank you, everybody, for staying with us. That was a, my electoral theme, Aaron Copeland's theme for a com- fanfare for the common man. Now back with us in the second half of Ask a Leader are a distinguished pair of administrators. Here with me, Brent Eunick and Dr. Patricia Morales, here to talk about and to take a critical look at admissions as well as some financial options that are perhaps lesser known. Brent Eunick is the Assistant Vice Chancellor of Enrollment Services, which oversees admissions and relations with schools, Center for Educational Partnerships, Financial Aid and Scholarships, and the University Registrar. Brent Eunick has served UCI for 24 years, working with academic administration, faculty, staff, and students. He served as Assistant Vice Chancellor of Student Affairs, Acting Director of Admissions and Relations with Schools, the Director of Financial Aid and Scholarships, and the Acting Registrar. Brent was a first-generation college student, first attending Golden West Community College and Orange Coast College. He then transferred to the University of California, Santa Cruz, where he earned a bachelor's in economics. And with Brent is my other guest, Patricia Morales, Director of Admissions and Relations with the schools at the University of California, Irvine. Prior to joining UCI, Dr. Morales was an enrollment management admissions and financial aid consultant at McGuire Associates in Massachusetts. Previous to that, she served as senior director for K-16 through initiatives at the college board. Her professional experience in education includes teaching, research, residential life, and enrollment management positions at UC Santa Cruz, Stanford University, F.W. Allen College of Engineering, and Phillips Exeter Academy. Dr. Morales earned her B.A. from Boston College. Her, I believe we call it the Masters of Theological Studies. Her MTS is, for, is the shorthand for those uh, of you the divinely endowed. Uh, from Harvard Divinity School, her Masters in, from the University of Chicago, and her Ph.D. in History from UC Santa Cruz. So this is where the two guests merge back to the Santa Cruz campus. This Renaissance administrator is also a classically trained dancer for more than 20 years. Brent Eunick and Patricia Marley's join me today in studio. Welcome to Ask a Leader. Thank you very Thank much. You. We're happy to be here. I think we just both would feel really good if we could give a shout out to our families who are listening out there in your audience today. I think so. you, you should do that. And I think your your staff and your colleagues need to hear that community radio touch. So go. I'll give Great you idea. a minute of doing that. Well, I'm just saying good morning to Suzette. Um, Carlton and Lucy who are out there thank you very much for joining in and uh, thank you staff who might be there this morning um, and if you're not we'll get you on the podcast later and likewise good morning to my husband Joseph and my daughter Paloma and of course everyone in my staff out there in Eldridge Hall thanks for listening in and good morning to everyone else listening well these two distinguished administrators have now recast the mold with the uh, the extra personable and I, uh, from now on we're going to it's the, it's the the Unic Morales model, the, the intro model. Well, it's important to hear from both of you as we move through the college application season. I don't know if you heard my introduction at, at the beginning of the show. Is the the murmurings of the uh, the voters rifling through their voter pamphlets to find out how to vote, and the the uh, utterances of the college application high school seniors. So that we're dealing with that second half of of those sounds going around the county and the uh, the community. So let's first talk about the goals and policies policies of admissions. What 
what is it? Uh, we, we know there are targets that you have for uh, various demographics. So why don't you give us head on what it is that you are looking for? Yeah, great. Thanks, Claudia. The, this is a very important season, we know, um, to many families throughout the state. At this time of year, we've got um, students who are definitely um, busy starting their applications and completing them. Uh, we would be uh, remiss if we didn't remind folks that the application filing window for the U University of California is um, closes November 30th. It actually opened as early as August 1st this year to begin working on applications. Students can, can start submitting them, though, November 1st. So the month of November is a busy one for families and then ultimately for us, too, on the receiving end of applications. Since you ask about um, kind of, I think targets was part of your question. I think because there are targets. Yep. Um, That's policy hitting the road. Yeah. The, um, the University of California uh, in the main uh, is working with targets um, at both the new freshman level, the new transfer level, and of course there are additional targets at the graduate level that we don't have as much influence on. But here locally at UCI, um, we are experienced a period of fair stability, I would say. Um, we've come off of a, a period of, um, uh, you know, over the last decade, some pretty major budget cuts in California that influenced the California resident targets. So for this um, current season of um, the, the fall four 14 incoming class, we saw targets of about 5,400 new freshmen and about 2,000 new transfers. And we expect the same or similar numbers with perhaps slight growth going into fall 15. And I say we expect. These actually are numbers that are not firmly set yet. A lot of this depends on negotiations between the University of California Office of the President and folks in Sacramento. Of course, the governor and the legislature have a lot to, to contribute to um, outcomes in our enrollment planning. Um, and this takes place over the fall. In fact, the regents of the University of California will form a budget and approve it at a regents meeting in November, mid-November. Um, the governor will come out with a budget in January that uh, sets the stage for what the state can do in the way of funding, not just for higher ed, but certainly it, it, it informs the higher education enrollment planning discussion. So we will receive targets, um, certainly before we go into a mode of uh, admitting students in March. So between now and March, we'll get a target. We do expect from everything we know and can um, anticipate at this point that those targets will be pretty stable, pretty much same size for new freshmen and uh, perhaps some growth at the transfer level, at least we're hoping, uh, considering the, the access and, and opportunities that, that transfers need to have. I noticed in the LA Times, I'm sorry I didn't get to spring this on you earlier, but they were talking about the summer melt so for the households that are uh, less acculturated, I think it's maybe more to do with just financial kinds of uh, drains, uh, unforeseen financial situations, changing that up. I, that is, since it's the summer, it's a not-so-seamless transfer from the purview of the high school to the university. So uh, I guess Patricia Marley wants to take that question, is how, wh what can be your role in uh, shoring up those so they don't melt away and and don't aspire to getting maintaining that ad educational program they had intended. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a, it's an excellent question. I think over the summer sometimes families have questions 
and they get concerned or confused about different financial aid or different financing options. And sometimes that can affect ultimately a student's decision to finally enroll once the fall starts arriving. And for us in the Office of Admissions and Relations with Schools, we see our job over the summer as being um, conduits of information for these families. And we really encourage students to not be shy about reaching out to us with questions and concerns, any anxiety whatsoever, even if it's more of an academic nature, wondering about classes they may be uh, eligible to take in their first semester, really anything. They should see us uh, in the Office of Admissions as um, ambassadors to help them guide their way into the university. Emissaries. Emissaries, exactly. And we want to help bridge that experience. So if students change their mind over the summer because there is a different institution that calls to their heart, that's one thing. But if they're choosing not to enroll because they have mis, uh, misconceptions or anxieties and we could have helped, then that's what we really regret. So we would encourage families to please pick up a phone, send an email, and just let us know if you're confused about anything and if we can be of any help because we want to help that make that make tra- make help you make that transition seamless. I'm thinking it's counter. Yes, Brent? I just wanted to add to that. I want to, you know, concur with what Patty said and encourage families to um, take advantage of as early a date as possible to attend uh, new student orientations. And these are designed both for the student as well as the parent to come along with them and hear from current students, hear from administrators, talk to faculty, begin those relationships. Ultimately, you know, these are uh, places where they might meet their roommate that they're going to share a dorm with in the fall. They're all designed for them to be successful as they're a newly matriculating student. And should they have those questions or doubts or fears, concerns, whatever that might be going on in their household, these are great times to just start to put that on the table, let us know, because a university like UCI is full of people, staff and students, faculty, who want to see these students successful. They've earned a place. We've identified them as an extremely competitive student who should succeed with no problem. But, you know, people have doubts and fears, and we want to um, help to dispel some of that and um, help them to feel comfortable uh, as a brand new student and see themselves successfully completing that first year and ultimately going on to complete their degree. Well, since there, I guess that's a target that's perhaps a, of, of an urgent kind that they, they're falling off the radar. I don't know how you're able to pick up that, that you've lost them. If they don't show up, if the, the, it's, it's uh, sort of, per, uh, it's part of the array of issues that they're not going to take the initiative. So what happens then? Is, is there any, any way that they can be shored up their attention in following through on the plan? Well, we're able to see in terms of numbers tracked throughout the summer uh, if students have actually actively indicated to us that they are not going to enroll. So in our terminology, that would be a negative SIR, meaning they SIR'd to our campus. What's SIR? SIR is a statement of intent to register. So if a student has submitted that SIR telling us they're intending to enroll, but then at some point in the summer, let us know that they've decided to withdraw that intention. We can then communicate with that student and ask, and we actually we definitely do ask, what is the reason? And we try to engage in a dialogue at that point. For other students, however, unfortunately, we, we don't know until they just 
don't show up. But then we're able to survey that population. And so we always follow up through that mechanism as well. But we really would encourage students to let us know if they are considering withdrawing that intent to register so that we can have that discussion and, and understand better what might be happening. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss you a, a hardball, a curveball here with that. So I know from various, you know, the job listings, from the other anecdotal information, I know lots of resources are going into recruiting around the Pacific Rim. We've got at least two admissions officers. One's up in the Seattle area, one is in Hong Kong. And I know that we have resources that are uh, helping faculty present to an international, I mean, a, a newly arrived international kind of a, a, a demographic. So uh, can you talk, can you reassure us there are also resources going into reaching out to, uh, to deal with that uh, demographic that is less acculturated to four-year university or the, or say the, the first generation uh, learners, uh, student enrollees? So in terms of recruitment Correct. and outreach, oh, our, our staff absolutely recruits all throughout California within high schools as well as community colleges. We're talking to families and students and counselors every day, uh, beginning in midsummer, extending all through the conclusion of the application period and then picking up again at the conclusion of the read period when we um, when students have been admitted and we want to meet these students and answer their questions. But absolutely, I have staff all over the state in, in high schools down the street, as well as, as you mentioned, in other parts of the country and, and the world. But our mission is to connect with students who are interested in UCI, to tell them about the extraordinary opportunities here. And we know that there are amazing, talented students really to be found everywhere. And our primary challenge and goal is to be in front of each and every one of those students. Did Brent, I'd want to give you a chance if you wanted to add to that. Or? Oh, sure. I think it would be um, a, a fair thing to remind um, the folks out there listening that, you know, this this recent, it, I say it's a recent um, um, interest, although there's always been a long standing interest in bringing the best minds to the classroom um, at a top tier research university like UCI. Um, it's certainly been the case at the graduate level for years and years. Um, students are seeking out the world's, you know, leading expert faculties where they can do their, their graduate um, study and research and ultimately become um, leading faculty themselves. So at the gr- undergraduate level, I would say about five years ago, we got real serious about this. And prior to that time, we we did not have um, staff actively out in the field recruiting um, students beyond California. Our focus was only California. So we've had to learn and discover as the state has um, not invested as much as it could in um, uh, higher education enrollments uh, for California students. We've augmented um, our California enrollments with students from other states, from other countries. Um, in, in part, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's not a, a, a difficult task, but yet it's one that requires creativity and um, uh, heavy research to know where we can best invest our time and our resources to reach out to students who would best benefit from an education like UCI. So, um, you know, uh, the... 
uh, efforts have increased. You mentioned something about seeing uh, staff recruitment, so you must we must be doing something in the way of recruiting people out of area, and that's absolutely true. I think it's it's happening across higher education, not just in California. Certainly, it's happening across the UC, and I believe at CSUs, community colleges. I even hear about it, um, Claudia, um, more and more uh, in the recent couple of years at the high school level. So it it happened. There happens to be this large wave shift in education education that um, we're all becoming more globally focused um, at a research university I think you would expect it to happen well I, I know that that's what parents of of high school students are looking uh, aghast at this is not their kind of high school experience because they, they do see it it's very very global mm-hmm. yeah Yes, Brent. The other thing I wanted to introduce is to help people understand how, you know, we often will hear a question about how difficult it is to get in. And since we're talking admissions and and how we're recruiting, um, I wanted to help remind folks that uh, UCI is a campus that's been serving people across the state of California since its beginning. But it it and it remains our our primary focus. Um, to serve both locally, but also all of California. And we are a campus, thanks to our faculty, our rankings, our awards, you know, the, the everything together is really putting UCI on the map in such a way that we are seeing incredible increases, uh, if you want to just measure it in terms of applications. Maybe Patty could, could augment what I'm saying here. The, we've been a campus that has enjoyed some of the largest, if not the largest, increase in California applicants over the last year or several years. We've seen some specific increases in underrepresented populations, such as Hispanic students and African-American students. I mean, and, and we're drawing kids from around the state, not just locally, which makes it all the more competitive um, in, our, in our own backyard. And for those of you who've just joined us, my guests in this portion of Ask a Leader are Brent Unick, UCI's Assistant Vice Chancellor of Enrollment Services, and Admissions Director Patricia Morales talking about UC admissions, and we'll pick up just a little bit on some financial aid here um, in, in time while people are still applying. But uh, Patty, you had something else to add to that, too. Sure. Since um, Brent was talking about our admissions numbers Uh, on our application numbers and some of the uh, wonderful successes that we've experienced thanks to all the extraordinary people here at UCI, we can share with the audience that this past cycle, we actually received uh, 82,610 applications total. So that is freshmen and transfer applicants combined. So well over 82,000 folks out there, students out there are interested in UCI. And that number actually represents, at the freshman level, we had the greatest increase in terms of percentage of any University of California in terms of the number of applications we received last cycle. So that really speaks to what UCI represents uh, to students in California and indeed around the world. We are increasingly a campus of first choice. We're seeing some of the most talented students in California and indeed around the world wanting UCI, choosing UCI over any other campus because it's well-deserved, because these students want to work with the faculty here. They want to be part of this culture. So we're very proud in our office to have attracted these talented students, and our challenge is to sort of receive all of those applications, work through them, give them all very close attention. And I'll just note to folks, we utilize what's called holistic review, meaning that every application is looked at 
um, with respect to 14 different factors. So students aren't just um, distilled down to an SAT score or a GPA. Yes, we're looking at those academic measures, but we're also looking at the students' activities, leadership potential, their um, their special talents, the um, the interests that they have, everything that they can contribute to this campus. Every application is read at least twice. So this isn't a computer generating a an admission result. These are human beings reading every single application, and we take that very seriously. And I just want to make sure that um, listeners uh, know that about UC and at UCI. It's something that we consider to be paramount to what we do in the admissions office. In your outreach and uh, your success in uh garnering more and more uh, applications than at this step. Are you able to gauge then what the uh, the graduation rate is then with your uh, opening up uh, the demographic of um, bright stars, but not necessarily uh, those that have been acculturated into a four-year uh, academic um, option? I, I'll let you l- look for that while I'm, I'll have... Uh, one thing that Brent mentioned earlier was that the budget for... Uh, the UC system, and among other um, appropriations here, are in, determined in January and later, and that is after the application deadlines. It's, it's so we're. I'm concerned in the the time we have remaining that we have a chance to give everyone a chance to see what are the opportunities for putting together all their financial aid options so that they can apply for the best possible university, including the best the UC system choices. Sure. Let me answer your first question, though, and then come back to the financial options. So you were just asking about graduation rate and the connection there with the competitive students on the way in the door. Obviously, the better students were receiving applications from and can admit and ultimately enroll each year, that that helps to drive up our graduation rates ultimately in terms of the, the following four-year outcomes. So um, our four-year graduation rate is 71.6%, um, five-year transitions to 84.5%, and by six-year it's 858 I mentioned those longer-term rates. I think in the community of higher ed, the six-year graduation rates are a common standard that are used to compare institutions. So okay. th- these are very high rates. However, we always want to achieve better outcomes. So the campus is very interested and committed to student success. In in fact, our new Chancellor Gilman has made that a priority for the campus. And so we're looking at a range of things, um, both academically as well as co-curricular, that we could be doing to influence and shape those outcomes to be even better because we care about our students doing well and achieving their, 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 their goals and, and those beyond the, the campus. Um, let's go back to the financial you know, we, options we do, yes. that families have now. So let's keep in mind that the priority for now is applying to, to universities and making sure students are applying broadly and keeping their options open by submitting applications to every institution they want to be considered at. And applications for admission are generally completed in the fall. Um, the financial part of the equation really comes into light really after the first of the year when students are asked to complete a FAFSA, that fr- that federal application for free student, for federal student aid, free application for federal student that's aid. That's why they say FAFSA instead. I always instead. get mixed yeah. up. Yeah. Um, 
that is due every year March 2nd. So it can be it, it can get started on January 1. Students file at March 2nd. So it's maybe convenient and healthy that students can focus on admissions first and then financial aid second after the holiday break. Um, of course, families are thinking of their options even this early, so it's a great question that you've given me. I think the University of California is unique across the um, uh, country in that we are very, you know, we're the world's leading public institution. We are, have large numbers, but yet we care about students individually, and we're working with families case by case to bring together the federal, the state, and the institutional monies to help um, families afford and pay for college. So I've got to throw out a, a common question I'll, I'll get. Let's and I it. got it last week at, at a group at a breakfast with some of my friends. One of the, the guys has a, a, ch- a friend with a child getting ready to go to college. And you know, there's common myths out there about how expensive it is or how much people are having to borrow. I got the question, isn't it true that you know families are having to borrow as much as a couple hundred grand to go to school? And I think where that comes from is that folks are looking at average cost of um, maybe private institutions at the 50,000 or greater level and then multiplying by four. At the University of California, I think we do a remarkable job in how we put together all the monies for students so that I can tell you 77% of our students applied for aid, 68% of our uh, undergraduate students were were determined to have need of these students, 63, well, not of these, of the total undergraduate student population, 63% of these students receive grants and scholarships. That average grant and scholarship, these are free monies, is right. nearly $18,000, $17,979. Sure, it leaves a remainder that students are either working to contribute or families are borrowing in the form of a student or parent loan. But these are remarkable figures considering some of the other options that are out there. And the last piece that I think is the other myth, you know, getting more specifically to the, the high college loan debt that folks will are concerned about, the average per undergraduate borrow cumulative loan debt at UCI is $20,728. After four, after five years, af- oh, wow. after the whole degree is earned, that's it. I think that is a manageable amount. Of course, we'd always love it to be lower. I think there's been a big goal and pressure within the UC to keep things as low as possible in terms of burden on families. But the realities are there, you know, in terms of uh, slim state resources. So we're doing things in, in balance. The UC has a great program called the Blue and Gold Program, which is really a promise that families up to $80,000 Uh, would find the resources they need in free funds in a grant of some shape or form, federal, state, or UC, that would cover their institutional uh, fees. There are other programs that go beyond it. Right, right. There is probably a relationship to, or a a contributing factor to the uh, completion rate is the students that are in the need to to work during their college career, the less the need for them to have to work during their college career, the higher then will be their, their the, the earlier term they can complete their college, because I, I know that was a factor. I wish so, I had some of those stats memorized. But, I don't. But, but we'll, I, we'll I, get that, and we'll incorporate yeah, that. Yeah, we in. can. I know there's a relationship. There is a, been a longstanding relationship between a part-time job and, and high student success and completion rates. So I'm not sure it follow, flows perfectly the less you work, the more you graduate. 
because some I think are, are able to parlay their their work if it's if it's a research kind of assistantship that can become uh, get academic credit and it's great mentoring and all but not everybody a lot of people are doing more service sector other kinds of things that won't necessarily contribute but it might it might have a, a direct professional impact for them eventually so it's a variable kind of work relationship work experience benefit right. so we'll put in all of those resources in the podcast summary because we're we don't we're running out of time but I, patricia did you want to bring up anything about the financial aid packages and reconciling the deadlines so that students know upfront what their best choices are that they can afford so that that down the line when those deadlines occur later that they're moving right through the process with their best possible prospects with some financial support for those later on when those deadlines occur okay so with respect to i'm sorry can you i want to reframe the question i'm so sorry that i'd like to so you're doing everything you can tell us how that um you are assisting the students in knowing what not just the blue and gold but all Mm -hmm. all the other uh, financial aid possibilities so that they can know those in advance of completing all of their applications because they can't they're not going to aspire if they don't think they have the cash. And th- we know that, ac- uh, not just anecdotally, but statistically. I'm going to jump back in. And, and I think Patty would agree, or, or uh, if she has something else she wants to add, that's fine. I think we try to put a lot of information out about how students can afford college. Um, uh, certainly be looking families right now on financial aid office websites. We have a great uh, set of resources on our own at... Um, uh, www.ofas.uci.edu I think is the address and we'll confirm that for the podcast um, I was I've been on it recently looking at resources both you know free monies student loan programs but especially scholarship initiatives that we have here locally those in the community uh, we're trying to grow them we've had a couple of recent gifts that have been great um, but boy have we got a lot more work to do to grow our endowment for for undergraduate and graduate fellowship support um, we another thing that would be helpful I think for families to know is to be looking at net cost look look across all those institutions you're applying at look at the websites and drill down and look for not just total cost or don't just stop at fees alone look at the total cost the student budgets um, and then look at net cost or, or net cost estimators um, which most reputable institutions will have easily on their websites. They can, oh, it's on the website, yeah, or they which can we ask do. somebody who's it's on the t- website. Going to high you can put in a few hypotheticals about family size and income and school, you know, and so on, and get an, an a, a estimate. Oh, um, that's very reasonable. And the last thing is, I think I've mentioned this um, uh, uh, in before in a conversation with you, Claudia, that I think a great resource out there for families that's very objective and independent of any university is finaid.org. Org. So F-I-N-A-I-D dot O-R-G. And that this I was started by a, an individual, um, I think Mark Kantrowitz, very well known in the higher ed community of student financial aid experts. And it's got a wealth of information and some good um, pointers to follow up on scholarship options. Well, uh, we've got to wrap with Patty having the last word here. Okay, so I'm going to end by some tips Thank for you. any students. Excellent. Thanks, George are... Rosales, for this extra time. <laughs> so any tips for students, some tips for students who are um, working on their application. One of my biggest tips that I always recommend to students is that they speak to a good friend or parent about all of the activities and extracurriculars and their passions and have a dialogue about 
what what it is that they do with all of their time outside of school. I think it's really tough for an individual to think of all those things on their own. It really helps to have that framed more of a conversation. Ask a, a trusted friend or relative, hey, what do you think I'm most into? What, what do you think I enjoy doing the most? What do you think of when you think about me? And then write all of those things down, and that will help you in the application when you have to fill out all of the extracurriculars to not forget something. The because authentic you coming through. Which absolutely. Is, you can smell in an authentic application. Oh, I was yes. told, I don't know, at a kilometer away. I, I, you are absolutely right. I'm so glad you said that. That would be my other biggest piece of advice. Be authentically you. Do not try to put on some kind of persona that you think the admission uh, officer reading your application wants to read. We want to know you. We're interested in admitting you and bringing the you and everything that that represents. So please be yourself. I know it's cliche, but it's absolutely the truth. So there must be a standard paragraphs one, two, and three stamp that some admission uh, uh, reviewers uh, have, but we'll, that, we'll leave that arsenal up to people's uh, fertile imagination like my own. So I, I want to thank you, both of you, Brent Unick, UCI's thank Assistant you. Vice Chancellor of Enrollment Services, and Patricia Morales, Admissions Director, for talking about admissions and financial aid here on Ask Leader. Thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you very much. Well, we I've got to wrap up. Before that, I've got to tell you that next week we're going to have on Larry Agron, and I'm going to give Jeff Lalloway one more chance to be on this show. I'm not going to let him sneak off today's program. We're going to give him another shot. And, oh, speaking of shot, Lynn Shot was, is not available. I've tried to get a, even a pre-recording, but we can't get her here. I hope to bring all, all the uh, more coverage of the state, county, and local initiatives on Real People Orange County. That's this Thursday from 4 to 5 with co-president of the local chapter, Janice Wagner. Talk with you next week, everybody. Thank you for listening.